From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. The CPI on Friday is what matters most. Consensus is not expecting much of an improvement there in the year-over-year headline. Uh, Maybe the market will be surprised and we'll do a little bit better than that, but the core is expected to come down perhaps uh, 30 basis points. So we we still pay attention to core CPI, even though PCE is the inflation number that matters most to the Fed. It's a better measure of inflation. That's coming uh, in, uh, in a couple of weeks. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan and Jeff here. Jeff, I, we took a week off last week, um, and I, I was on vacation the week before, so it's been a while. How, how have things been going since uh, since I've taken a couple of weeks off, apparently? Yeah, well, my first question is, uh, did Lawrence and I wreck the car, or did we take good care of of your baby there two weeks you, ago. You dinged the door, but not teasing. No, oh, okay. no, no, teasing. No, it was good. It was good. I did listen to it. It, it was it was good. Lawrence is always a, a fun discussion. Um, I think it was good. And, and the neat thing is, since we haven't done one for two weeks, we've got tons of things to talk about this week. So we're just going to uh, get right into it. I'm glad to be back, though. So we're calling this one Highway to the Danger Zone. See where we're going with that. Yeah, it's a cheap, uh, cheap ploy with uh, that really good movie, which we'll talk about in a second here. But you know, Jamie Dimon and Elon Musk both were in the news just recently with some pretty dour comments. We're going to take a look at that and how worried we should be as investors. Then, kind of an economic review. We've had some good news, some bad news, jobs, ISMs, um, kind of how we see the economy, and really focus on our recent weekly market commentary um, as well. How how LPL Research sees the world. Then we're going to finish things up with June swoon. June historically is not a great month for stocks. We're going to talk about could we see a June swoon. But Jeff, first things first, did you see Top Gun Maverick by any chance yet? I did not see it yet, but uh, I am definitely going to see it soon. Yeah, I, I did. It was awesome. <laughs> it's uh, it just, it just, it's I don't even know. It's just awesome, I guess is what I'll say. It's just totally over the top and just uh, good old American movies, all I can say. We're just out there doing our thing. I, I thought it was great. Um, clearly, a lot of other people agreed because that movie's making a ton of money, um, you know, along the way. And then, of course, you know, the whole the whole play on, you know, Danger Zone and things. That's kind of the title to our. <laughs> How much did you like Highway to the Danger Zone back in the day? I can see you driving around on the Trans Am listening to that song. You, you, you long flock of hair, right? Yeah, I, I did have more hair back then. I did not have a Trans Am or Camaro or anything like yes. that, but uh, okay. I did I did like uh, you know some hard rock music. How, how about that? My my question on the on Top Gun though is: it, Do people like it because of the connection to the to the original, or is it just great on a on a on its own merit yeah. where young people could enjoy it too? Similar to Cobra Kai, which I think does both. I think it's that, right? It does connect to the previous one, but if you've never saw the first one, it's still a pretty good movie. So it's kind of very nostalgic, yes, but at the same time, they just do a great job connecting as well. So it's, uh, anyway, it's it's good. I did see another Jurassic Park. I can't believe there's another one. I, I don't I don't know. Anyway, another Jurassic Park movie out there apparently made a bunch of money. The more dinosaurs run around tearing the world up. But nonetheless, let's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing how many of those they're going to make. Let's just go forward, Jeff. First things first. Um, you know, a lot of people are worried. Um, you know, Elon Musk had some 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 um, some worries out there talking about how, you know getting rid of ten percent of the workforce with Tesla. Uh, Jamie Dimon, J.P. Morgan was saying that you know there could be an economic hurricane coming. Not sure if it's a minor hurricane or if it's a superstorm Sandy. Um, you know, both of these 
well, let's put it this way. We saw a 6% bounce in stocks two weeks ago, about a 1% pullback, mainly because weakness on Friday, our bouncing on Monday. Didn't really upset stocks too much last week, but when you see two of the largest, most influential, honestly, richest guy in the world, to be honest, um, along with Jamie Dimon, who last I checked is pretty wealthy, um, when they're talking this way, it, it gets headlines and it gets people thinking. I mean, Jeff, you had time to think about it. Do you want to dive into what either the two said or just your, your take in general of what they had to say here? Yeah, I, you know, I, I mentioned this on uh, our morning call this morning for advisors. There's, it just, it's a tough environment to predict, right? So you have some of the smartest economists and strategists out there saying we're going to get a soft landing, mm -hmm. right? And you have others saying recession's unavoidable. Now, recession is unavoidable. You just don't know when it's coming. But we can pretty much guarantee it's coming at some point, right? right. If, Jamie Dimon's comments even alluded to that. Like, maybe it's com you know, probably coming. It's going to be later. We don't know when. Right. And then Elon Musk, he backtracked on his comments. Right. Uh, you know, talking about now it's just hiring a bunch of contractors and replacing the full time people, but actually growing headcount. It sounded like so I'm just very confused. I can't imagine an environment that's tougher to predict than this one, because there's so many unique characteristics to this economic environment with the supply chain disruptions. Right. You know, high inflation, commodity prices, war in Europe. China, stop, start, reopen, lockdown. I mean, it's just a tough environment to, to forecast. So I wouldn't put a lot of stock in either of these forecasts or frankly, our forecasts. We're just going to have to wait and see how the data comes in uh, because, uh, you know, talking about what's going to happen next year is just premature. Uh, absolutely. I mean, again, like you said, Elon Musk, I don't know, did he pull a full 180 or not? I'm not sure, but definitely a different tone. And then, you know, with Jamie Dimon, I mean, just what he was saying a couple of weeks ago with their earnings call, fairly drastically different. Also the same day, I forget what, exactly what day last week the Jamie Dimon news came out, but his top quant came out and was talking about, you know, where stocks could make new highs before the end of the year. So literally one of his employees gives a, I would say a little bit of a different view than what the boss is talking about. Kind of somewhat comical if your boss says one thing and you're in the news with another, but he, you know, and I'm not calling anyone out here. I'm just saying it, 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 it hammers home how, how difficult this, this situation is. But I mean, I know with the, with the Elon Musk one, you, know, you 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 pointed out, Jeff, that he talked about super bad. Was there was there something else to that when we peel back the onion? Something else to that. Well, don't tell me you're going to make another movie reference. Oh, McLovin. Wasn't it a McLovin joke? I thought that's what the whole thing was, right? <laughs> Wasn't it his birthday or something you were saying? I think McLovin's birthday uh, with the fake driver's license was June 3rd. Right. And I believe that was the day that Musk made yeah. a super bad comment. So yeah, maybe it's, eh, who knows? maybe there's something to that. Who, who knows? You know, I mean, so let, let us wheel this back in. You know, one thing that we did see also just recently is, is extreme strength out of high yield bonds. And, you know, if you look year to day, you know, high yield bonds have hung in there better than corporate bonds and some other areas of fixed income. And when you look back at previous times, we've had a lot of strength in high yield bonds. It's kind of, one of those, is what it is. It's marked some pretty significant uh, changes in trend. And also, you know, some strength in equities. I mean, so Jeff, you know, we've got very smart, influential people you know, saying some pretty, um, you know, drastic things and, and skeptical things. But just talk to me a little bit about, you know, the strength we've seen recently in, in, in high yield and what that might mean for um, you know, investors in the economy. Yeah, sure. Normally, uh, when the economy is heading into recession, you see the credit markets crack, mm -hmm. right? Companies can't raise debt anymore. They can't finance themselves. Well, you know, there's two reasons really why we're not seeing that, right? One, companies have a lot of cash, 
just like consumers have a lot of cash. Um, and, and two, you know, you're seeing in the debt markets, you know, I'm an equity strategist, so I don't follow debt financing too closely, but I did see is pretty good, you know, take up of recent corporate debt deals, right? In other words, right. companies can get financing. So you're not seeing, you know, really wide credit spreads. You're not seeing reports of companies that can't finance themselves. Sure, stocks have gone down a number of stocks, as you've talked about, Ryan, in the, especially in the NASDAQ, have been more than cut in half. But that's very different from, let's say, 2001 and two when these companies went away or couldn't get financing, or 2008-9, same deal, not necessarily internet companies, but companies tied to the mortgage crisis couldn't get financing. We're not there yet. That's probably why the VIX is so low, right? I mean, in normal uh, dramatic sell-offs, you see the VIX over 40, right? It's right. barely gotten over 30 during this sell-off. Yeah, I mean, so back to high yields for a second. I knew I had it in front of me here. We saw back-to-back -back days of at least a 1% gain. That's really, really rare for high-yield bonds. You got to go March and April of 2020. We saw that around Brexit of June of 2016. We saw two days in a row of a 1% gain on high-yield bonds. Um, March of 2016 and October of 2011, and then March and April of 2009. <laughs> kind of one of those, it is what it is. The buying pressure we saw on high yield just recently uh, has tended to mark some significant lows, at least for equities. Jeff, any final comments on you know Elon Musk or um, Jamie Dimon or anything else before we go forward? Well, I think last thing is the jobs report was pretty good. If you're looking for an economic hurricane, we certainly didn't get evidence of it on Friday. Yeah, we're going to talk about jobs here eventually. I'm not even sure what the next slide is, to be honest, but um, here we go. Okay, yeah, we're going to get there. So here's just one more thing, one bit of good news in the sea of that. We just had a seven-week losing streak, as most of uh, most people know, and it's interesting. That seven-week losing streak took place when China went on lockdown on, no April Fool's joke, April 1st, then China starting to back, open back up. And that's when we had that seven week losing streak, one of the longest losing streaks in the history of the S&P 500. Something for everybody on the YouTube channel, we are sharing it. Um, three other times we saw a seven week losing streak. In 1970 and 1980, we saw seven week losing streaks. A year later, up over 33% on average, both of those times. They also 2001, early 2001, saw a seven week losing streak. The, go out a year, pretty poor performance. Obviously, 9-11 went into the recession, a lot of different problems. So a little bit for everybody. But again, if you, it's that simple, not simple, but it's that thing we've been saying, if you can avoid a recession, which we're gonna talk about the economy next, and that's our base case, you know, this could be a pretty good buying opportunity in 1970, 1980, both of those times after a seven week losing streak. That's exactly what happened. Now, Jeff, I do have to say sorry about last time. You can see it on the uh, YouTube channel. <laughs> My dog was barking. I had to get up and get him. And yes, I was wearing shorts and somebody sent me the screen still of that. If you're on there and me, me getting in the chair wearing shorts. Did you think I'd show this image, Jeff? <laughs> I, I did not see this coming. I, I have seen this image. Yeah. But I didn't uh, expect uh, you to have the, the nerve to actually show it today. Eh, we're, among, we're amongst friends. But yeah, that was the last time I did this. My my dog, Walter, was out there barking. I jumped up and somebody saw, you know, we, we put this on the YouTube channel. And they said it was funny because I was wearing shorts. And sure enough, you can clearly see. Uh, and I'm actually wearing shorts right now, full, full disclosure. But I don't plan on standing up again. So you're wearing shorts? You got some pants nope. on. What's going on down there? I, I usually wear pants. It just okay. feels a little bit more professional to me, yeah. even though you're only seeing me from the top, you know. I, I hear it. Yeah. I, I, 
I tend to also, but literally like you and I talking, as soon as this is done, I'm going to rip this jacket off. I got to go to the airport. So I'm going to, I'm going to wear some shorts, be a little comfortable at the airport. Huh? Anyway. So yeah, sorry about last time, guys, you saw a little bit of leg there, but Hey, what, what can you say? All right, Jeff, let's talk about the economy. Now you, you hinted at it, the job. So we, we know the scary headlines and what's going on, inflation, China, all the stuff, but then the jobs number came in on Friday, 390,000, a little bit better than expected. Talk to me about, um, you know, why that's a good sign. Yeah, well, it's a good sign because consumer spending is 70% of GDP. And mm-hmm. certainly um, the the core argument for people who are worried about the Fed sending us into recession is around the consumer buying power being eroded by high inflation, right? Mm-hmm. But if wages are rising nicely and consumers have jobs, then you know it's hard to erode all of that purchasing power, or at least it's hard to erode it quickly. So I just look at this, you know, steady. We've been in this trend four to 600,000 jobs a month uh, for a while. Uh, You know, that is that is positive, no doubt. But we also want to look at wages. Actually, the average hourly earnings number was a little bit below expectations, which is good. Mm -hmm. So it looks like a little bit, you know, wage pressures just tick down a smidge, which you know probably is the, the best news in this report, you could argue. No, I, I agree. Um, you know, so again, 390,000 jobs created. We've been hint, hitting right around, you know, four or 500,000 jobs every month. It feels like we're 822,000 jobs away from making up the 22 million jobs that we lost in March and April of, um, of 2020. So, you know, we're right there. And that let's just extrapolate out. That'll be a couple more months potentially. So the average, Jeff, if you look at the last 10 recessions, go back to World War II, it took 30 months to make up all the jobs losses. In a couple more months, that'd be about 30 months. So you could argue this recovery, although it sure doesn't feel average, given we lost 22 million jobs, the most ever, you know, it's an average in terms of recovery. The last, the previous two recessions took like four years and almost seven years to recover. So we are recovering these jobs um, a, a little bit quicker. But I think the key concept being, again, solid number, but the way the overall um, wages, um, or what's it called, the hourly earnings, sorry, hourly earnings given 0.3% versus 0.4. Saw that Goldie, was it Goldilocks? I saw that floating around the media again. Was it Goldilocks? You think this was Goldilocks? What was your take? Yeah, it's pretty close. Uh, you know, I don't know what Goldilocks would be if it's not this number, frankly, right around expectations with a little evidence of cooling uh, wage pressure. Yeah, but then again, then I also saw the old good news is bad news and bad news is good news because, oh boy, must be windy in here. My paper or a ghost just came in. My papers are flying all over the place. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I don't know what I was talking about. Um, bad news, good news, good news, bad news. So, you know, the idea that, okay, this was pretty strong. So now the Fed might not be quite as dovish. We did sell off on Friday. We're bouncing back today. What was your take? My take personally on Friday was, hey, we had a big rally, a little late week sell off. I don't think it's because of the jobs. Well, what do you think? Yeah, it's maybe just, uh, you know, folks using the natural language processing to find bad quotes and sell. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Elon Musk with a bad quote, right. following Jamie Dimon's bad quote. Um, you know, it's hard to point to anything more uh, than that. I mean, I didn't see anything wrong with the ISM report either last week. Those are the kind of the key data points. So um, this yep. economy is still growing. I think the, you know, the question around whether the Fed will drive us into recession and hike too much, that just won't be answered anytime soon. So Friday's trading shouldn't really be a function of that. 
But certainly every day in the news, you see some Fed speaker out, as long as they're not in their hush period, saying, oh, maybe we won't get a September pause. Maybe we could get a September pause. You know, it's just it's just all over the place. You know, the Fed proved with the whole transitory thing that they don't really know what's happening, at least not in the future. Sure. Frankly, anybody who says they they know how this is going to play out is is fooling themselves. There's just a lot of uncertainty right now, and we just need a little more evidence. We've seen a, a you know couple months of inflation cooling. Need some more. Yeah, I mean Janet Yellen said so much just recently. You know, she was in the transitory camp as well, but she said, "Listen, did you see the war coming? Did the Fed see the war coming? Did the Fed see Omicron coming? Did the Fed see China shutting down again?" You know, no. I mean, we're not Fed apologists here, but we are just saying some of these things. If those things, if those three things don't happen, you know, CPI is probably not over eight percent right now. Um, but but who knows? But again, those are just some factors. But still, it happened. You know, and it's just interesting. But yeah, we're going to touch briefly on Jeff. I guess some of the ISM numbers from last week. Then we'll talk about the weekly market commentary that Jeffrey Roach just put out. Uh, you know, the, the services number. Remember, our economy is a big part of services. Uh, came in a tad weaker than expected, but some good news. New orders uh, soared up three points, which is really good. Delivery times also improved. And we saw a huge drop in order backlogs. I mean, can you talk about, I don't know, some Goldilocks stuff. Those, those all sounded good. I mean, if you remember the, the services number from last week, anything else stood out to you? But those all felt pretty good to me. Yeah, it was it was the lowest headline services ISM in a while. Yep. Um, but in this environment, I mean, that's really what we want, right? We want a cool down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what Jeff Roach is calling this. A, it's a slowdown, it's not a contraction. <clears throat> it's a slowdown, not a recession, right? And uh, you know these numbers. There, your there's your Goldilocks um, moniker again. I actually think that that sums up the the ISM numbers too, with the backlog coming down. That's what you want, just like yep. we want job openings to come down, right, to cool inflation, and then uh, you know still above fifty, solidly expansionary. So this is a two, maybe a two and a half percent growth economy, not a three or 4% growth economy, but in this environment with inflation being the number one concern and the potential for Fed overreach, that's that's really, uh, I think, what we want to be in. No, no, no doubt. The ISM manufacturing of our economy is ballpark 12 to 15%, kind of depends who you look at, uh, of our economy is manufacturing. That number did commit a tad better than expected. Uh, Six-month high in inventories, though, according to manufacturing number. Um, and again, we did see a drop in employment and a, a slight increase in the prices paid. So the manufacturing one wasn't quite as good as a services one. Maybe you could say when you peel back the onion, but still um, overall positive. Our friends at UBS did point out, well, it came in over 55, though. Okay, So when it comes in over 55, According to our friends at UBS, um, earnings revisions come in about higher 85% of the time. Jeff, just quickly, again, even though manufacturing is ballpark 15% of the economy, it is a big part of our leading earnings, right? Or at least a, a, a guesstimate, an estimate of what earnings might do. So that solid number could be a good thing for earnings, right? Yeah, um, 35 to 40% of S&P 500 profits are manufacturing oriented. Right. That's, that's a reasonable uh, estimate based on the data I've seen. So yeah, ISM manufacturing correlates pretty well with with earnings. And so, um, you know, these readings north of 50 are good. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, if you get evidence of inflation falling, that's that's even better with oh, the backlogs and the supplier delivery times. So, um, which, which of course translates into margins. Profit yeah. margins for companies are still a concern, but right now they're hanging in there. 
Yeah, no, they've been hanging there for a long time. Like I said, it is a concern. So this week's weekly market commentary, we uh, Jeffrey Roach just took a kind of look at the economy. And the first chart we are sharing, Jeff, is the real growth is slowing uh, from lingering inflation. But the key concept being, I guess, growth is slowing, but it's not recessionary. You want to build on that? Yeah, so, um, well, I kind of just alluded to it, right? Yeah, you think, did. Um, three, you know, probably not going to be a 3% growth economy this year, but we will see, we think, a little bit of a pickup from the contraction, naturally, that we just saw. Uh, so, um, you know, maybe kind of 25 2.7% growth for the year is a reasonable uh, expectation. Again, the big concern is inflation, and we, you know, talk, we just talked about it, right? Inflation is a big concern as it erodes consumer purchasing power. But Jeff is also talking about the shift from goods to services, right? There's just there was this massive, you know, frenzy to get stuff on our doorsteps from Amazon and other websites, right? Um, that's changing as people want experiences, right? A lot of people are going to concerts now. I've been hearing. That's not me, <laughs> but a lot of other people are out there getting out there and doing stuff, activities, you know, that's services, experiences, right? So there's a shift away from goods, which is evident in this chart. Uh, and towards services, that still gives us a little bit of a tailwind here uh, to grow close to 3%, we think, in 2022 and avoid recession. Uh, absolutely. Like I said, a little bit a little bit from now, I'll be going to the Charlotte airport. And, you know, I can't make guarantees, but if it's anything like the other times I go to the Charlotte airport, it's just crazy. <laughs> it is just, it is just, it is just packed, you know, and then you go, I was in Nashville a couple weeks ago for an event with our advisors. And I mean, Broadway was packed, you know, all, all every, everywhere. Every it just doesn't doesn't feel like a recession necessarily when you look at some of those things. Like you said, those experiences of things people are looking to do uh, clearly are picking up, and in this summer, that's probably only going to continue into the second half of the year. But Jeff, uh, we we kind of talked about backlogs just a second ago, but we are now sharing a chart from ISM Services. The backlog orders, um, you know, had had a significant drop uh, recently, and 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 again, that's. That's just all part of the process, right? Uh, services and manufacturing backlogs are starting to come down. That's all part of the process with this whole supply chain issue that we have because it's hard to get goods and services, all the backlogs are there, but there are less ships at these ports or more empty ships at the ports now. And now we're starting to see it in some of the economic data. I don't know, I mean, I don't know what, what you wanna add other than to me, it feels like we're going the right way here and trying to, to clean up some of these issues that we've had you know, for well over a year now. Yeah, th this is big news overnight, right? With China reopening, people are talking right. about the, you know, that being kind of the first major step toward alleviating these supply chain pressures, right? This last, like, I mean, some of these pressures are going to last well into 2023, unfortunately. Certainly, uh, semiconductor shortages probably be with us for a while, but there are other shortages uh, that could be alleviated by a, just a China reopening. Yep. Right. And so that's basically, I mean, that happened really over the weekend, right? Or it's just happening today, starting today. Uh, that's gonna bring these lines down even further. In fact, Jeff even alluded to that uh, this morning where um, the blue line, the ISM services order backlog is probably gonna come right back down uh, even though it kind of inched higher um, last month. And that's gonna be even more sort of, um, you know, downward pressure on the, uh, yeah. on, the uh, on inflation as supply chains improve. So this is a good story, and um, I think why you know stocks were up one uh, percent here this morning. Yeah, I mean honestly, um, the, day, the the chart we're sharing on the YouTube channel 
we did have to put it together before the services number came out on Friday. And that blue line, it had a really big drop, actually, if you if you include it on Friday. So again, just just go just trending the right way, I think, is the best way to put it. The next one, it's similar, similar concepts. Uh, our friends at the New York uh, Fed, they have something called the supply chain, I believe it's called actually global supply chain pressure index. But you know, that actually leads CPI by about three or four months. Not too surprising, <laughs> you know, if supply chain issues are there or not. We've seen a big drop in this one as well just another angle on a similar uh, similar story that we just had Jeff you know and, and again on the YouTube channel it tells you know, picture tells a thousand words if CPI is or I'm sorry if this is a leading factor by three or four months CPI is about to have a big drop right yeah that's right uh, sometimes the lag is shorter mm -hmm, right. than four months Jeff tells me but uh yes absolutely this points to lower um, CPI you know I I mean, CPI, uh, maybe it goes eight to six by year end, but I'm actually more interested in core. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens to oil prices and other commodity prices, which make up the, you know, the non-core, <laughs> right? But, uh, I, you know, we could have, this is my forecast, not Jeff's. We could have a three handle on core PCE if everything goes well from here through mm -hmm. year end. Yeah. And I think, the market would absolutely love to see that. That that might be a stretch, but um, these things are starting to line up. Nothing's lining up about Russia, Ukraine, and oil prices. But supply chain piece, which which is really really important, which is why you know Jeff did two charts on it. Uh, the supply chain piece is really important and can help get us going. Uh, you know, on that hopefully path to a three handle core PCE, which is the inflation number that the Fed pays the most attention to. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the Fed's favorite measure of inflation. And again, it is a little bit lower than CPI, just naturally because of some of the inputs that are, that are in there. Uh, but again, a three handle would be nice. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, we're positives are there, but if China goes on another shutdown, another lockdown, you know, it's going to be a lot tougher. So China continues to open up. And we've seen, I think, something like the top 50 states, the largest 50 states in China are opening up for the first time in a long time. We're starting to see some positive trends in China. If that can continue, that can help kind of grease the wheels for the entire you know, global risk assets, global stock markets and things. Remember, stock markets lead the economy. So the stock market's sniffing out. China's opening up. Supply chains are getting better. Inflation might be peaking. Stocks are going to start to rally before before that even starts to show up in most of the data. Uh, Jeff, we lost a great one. Ray Leoita, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I hope I said it right. Um, you know, he passed away recently. What's your favorite movie of his by chance? Is, is it Goodfellas or Goodfellas? <laughs> oh, it's definitely Goodfellas. I, I've always pronounced it as Leota. Leota, that's that's probably right. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, just too young, 67 years old. Mm -hmm. um, Really, really sad. I I didn't see any reports of of what happened there, but uh, wow. tragic. Great, great actor, um, and uh, you know, really good in the roles that he that he played. <laughs> right? He always kind of had that. You know, he's always a bad guy, pretty much, sure. and he played it well. Yeah, I think. I mean, Goodfellas is one of those movies that we all love, right? I think it's just a great movie. I don't think I've ever seen the whole movie in a whole sitting. You know, it's always on like AMC or something. You watch a little bit here, you watch a little bit there, and never watch it the whole time. So I, I think an under, um, I think it was called No Escape. He did a movie called No Escape, like twenty or 30, twenty-five years ago. I remember watching it when I was younger. That was a pretty good one. That was a more of an under the radar. He wasn't like a gangster or something, but No Escape was one that I liked. But yeah, I gotta say, Goodfellas. All right, Jeff. Final thing we're gonna talk about. Then we're gonna bring it home. 
home. Uh, the idea of a June swoon, it is what it is. June is one of the worst months of the year on average for stocks. But the thing that gets me is midterm years. June is by far the worst month um, during the year in a midterm year. So that's just something to be aware of. Uh, what are you thinking here? I mean, we've had a terrible start to the year. One of the, literally the fourth worst start ever as of the 100th trading day, which was, I believe, two weeks ago. Uh, so it's been a rough, rough start. Will we have a June swoon? Uh, boy, I, th I think we had a May swoon. Yes, um, <laughs> you know, the, frankly, I, I thought we were lined up to not have the sell in May go away work this year, but it's going to be tough now to uh, to be up um, what May to October after the start. So we'll hopefully we will be. Certainly, we think we'll get a um, a strong fourth quarter rally around elections, which we almost always get. Right. Um, but yeah, June. I mean, the same issues we've been talking about are going to drive the market, right? It's just going to be inflation, inflation, inflation. <laughs> and so let's hope Friday we get a decent CPI reading. And then, um, you know, again, can continue to get good news out of China with the supply chain issues there. Hopefully get the wage pressures to come out, come out a little bit more each month. And yeah. then, um, you know, maybe, uh, maybe this market can make a comeback over the next couple months, but really hard to predict uh, June. It's just, um, well, let me say this, midterm election years, you know, we talk about that all the time about the pattern. Frankly, I don't think there's a lot of uncertainty around midterms this year. I've said this before, mm -hmm. right? Because the market is gonna price in a very, very high percentage of the house going Republican. Mm -hmm. And at that point it's gridlock and it, nothing else really is gonna matter all that much probably to markets. Now you'll have different sectors reacting to different, I mean, we could still get a what some people are calling build back smaller, right? We still could get uh, a, a reconciliation package out of the Democrats, uh, but it's certainly not going to be what it what we were talking about a few months ago. But so I'm not saying politics don't matter at all, but just the high level, the high level uncertainty is much much lower this time uh, than it has been in recent elections, and so I don't expect that to drive June volatility as it has historically, as you can see from this chart. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know, this year is not your average year. It is a midterm year, and that, of course, matters. But we've got a lot of other things that are swirling out there. Once we get closer to the election, sure, we'll start talking more about it. But again, that's what's kind of um, being, being priced in at this time. And one thing that, you know, we'll, we've pointed out, and we're going to start pointing out some more, if you Every single day, whenever the vote, or I'm sorry, whenever the election is in the first week of November, that first Tuesday for a midterm year, if you buy and hold for a year, every single time since 1950, the stocks are higher, s and higher. Now, and some of them are by a ton, but again, just be aware that it can be rocky, it can be choppy, midterm years, we've talked a lot about this, that's what they tend to be, boy oh boy is it playing out this year, but then once you get later in this year and are willing to hold out to a year, stocks usually do pretty well and we wouldn't be surprised at all if that kind of uh, history uh, played out once again. And then I'll just point out, uh, I think this might be the final thing, actually. Um, we had a 6% weekly gain two weeks ago, right? We had a seven-week losing streak, just devastating, then a 6% gain. And on the uh, YouTube channel, also on lplresearch.com, we did share this on our blog. So check out our blog. We've, we've got almost 5,000 people subscribed to our blog. So if you want to help us, go to lplresearch.com. Right on the right, you can sign up and get our get our blog delivered every single day when we post one. Um, but anyway, uh, 12 months later, up almost 22% on average after 
a 6% gain. You know, and there's a couple reds in there, 2001, 2002, a year later, 1980. So 1974, again, the similar thing of, well, if we're going to go into recession, all bets are off. But if we're not going to go into recession, the returns a year later after a 6% gain, let's be honest, 6% gains usually take place in sell-offs and that kind of kicks off some new strength. Um, you know, I see a couple 2020s in there, uh, you know, around the election and then early April, March of 2020. Um, you know, we actually had a March 2022 this year at a 6% gain, but historically 6% gains aren't really bearish if you're not into a recession. Uh, Jeff, any final comments on that or what you're watching this week before I sign us off? At the risk of sounding redundant, the CPI on Friday is what matters most. Mm -hmm. uh, now, consensus is not expecting much of an improvement there in the year-over-year -year headline. Uh, maybe the market will be surprised and we'll do a little bit better than that, but the, the core is expected to come down perhaps um, uh, 30 basis points, the year-over-year -year change in core uh, CPI. So we, we still pay attention to core, yeah. even though, or core piece, CPI, even though PCE is the inflation number that matters most to the Fed, it's a better measure of inflation that's coming uh, in uh, in a couple of weeks. Which is interesting because really all we talk about CPI, 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 but the Fed's following this other one. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go forward. But guys, uh, glad to be back. Hopefully you got something out of the podcast this week. Uh, we, we love doing it. If you want to help us, give us a like, give us a follow. Thanks to Neil, our producer, as always, for getting this out there. And thanks, Jeff, to you for uh, some fun discussion. And um, we'll just see what happens with inflation and everything else. And we will be back next week um, to break it all down. We'll see everyone then. Have a great week. Take care. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarded the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.